Uh, it says we are live. All we right, live. here we go. We're live here. Uh, all right, everyone. Uh, so hope you guys like my new uh, chat here. I got four people on here. Uh, this is a terrible intro. Uh, welcome <laughs> to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. I'm Zach Gall, your host. Rob is not here. Uh, but I am here with uh, three very well-known, very talented builders uh, within the EOS IO ecosystem. I think most of you know who these guys are. I'm here with uh, Michael Gucci from Airdrops DAC and MultiBlock DSP. Ramon Bindlish uh, from Blockstart. He's also from IWAD, runs a proxy service. Michael also runs a proxy service. I want to mention that, a new one. Uh, with, what, like over 2 million votes in there right now, Mike? Yes, yes. yes. And then... Evil Rose uh, from EOS Nation, founder of EOS Nation, uh, running a DSP service, uh, producing uh, a block producer on what EOS Mainnet, Bose, mm -hmm. and and Meet One. So you're a, a champion of multiple EOS IO chains. You have a unique perspective there. Um, but the thing that you guys all have in common is you're all building on the DAP network. You're all helping other projects build on the DAP network, um, and and we're all in this. Uh, kind of raise awareness uh, for what's being done, how it could scale applications, and what problems uh, we're trying to solve. So I guess I can kick this off with a uh, standard introduction. So I'll start with Eve. Uh, just, I kind of gave a brief overview of who you are, uh, but what, what your role is within the, what you think your role is within the EOSIO ecosystem, and what led you to DAP Network, and what you're doing as a DSP on DAP Network. Yeah, so first of all, Zach, uh, thank you very much for having me on. This is awesome. I always watch the show, so it's finally good to, to be here. Um, yeah, so for, for me, I mean, Eve from EOS Nation, co-founder of EOS Nation and CEO of EOS Nation. Uh, my major role within the organization is to, um, I guess, work on the general strategy of where we deploy our resources and what basically we're going to spend our time working on. And over the past, I think, five months, five and a half months now, a lot of our resources, a lot of our time has been going to the DAP network. Uh, once we found out about it, we we started looking into it, started looking into the potential of what it could bring, uh, the bottlenecks that we had within the EOS um, mainnet, so within the EOS ecosystem, but the mainnet particularly, and seeing where those pain points could be relieved by the DAP network. We just went all in in the DAP network. We've been uh, developing in there now for, like I said, maybe five and a half, six months. Uh, working with a lot of applications, basically trying to open up the ecosystem so that other people can see what we see in there and they can see the benefits of having that second layer solution on top of the base layer solution. Awesome. Uh, so, Michael, you were actually the first DSP to to publicly announce that you're going to be building on the DAP network. And you kind of carried over services that you were doing prior to the DAP network the, with the Airdrop stack. You want to kind of introduce what Airdrop stack is, what Multiblock is, and how you got involved with, with DAP Network? Yes, th thank you, Zach. Thank you for inviting. You know, I'm one of the long-term watchers of the show, and I love the show, and I'm <laughs> glad that I, I was able to be present here today. Uh, yeah, many of you know me already. You know, we were, it, this, we, I founded a lot of projects on EOS. You know, I'm associated with uh, Airdrop Stack, ZKS, ZOS, uh, Tulip, Telos 21 Zephyr, uh, and of course, the Michael Gucci proxy. You know, there are a lot of projects, but uh, I came to EOS back in uh, even before the mainnet launch. And Airdrop Stack was founded with only one intention: to make Airdrops uh, easier and economical for developers. 
And at one point, you know, we were the second largest holders of RAM on the US mainnet. And our whole business model depended on you know, leasing the RAM and to the developers to make the airdrop and claiming it back. And that's how that's our entire business model. And we were we are the airdrop experts. But when I heard about the DAP network, and when I heard that airdrops can be made without using RAM, it was one of those you know, Kodak moments. You know, Kodak became obsolete because they could not adapt to the new developing technology. And the writing was clear. If we didn't change and adapt to the changing technology, uh, no one would be using our RAM and our, we would become obsolete. So that's why we were the first one to recognize the potential of DAP network. And we were the first one to go all in inside the DAP network and the, the ecosystem. Um, so for the first time, we we initially started doing the airdrop using VRAM, but now uh, Tal and Nathan have come up with a elegant solution where we can do an airdrop without using RAM or VRAM, entirely using web Oracle services and the DSP service. It's uh, elegant, and we just did our first uh, uh, airdrop using this, uh, the V airdrop using the new technique. It's the Tulip, the V Tulip token, which you can all claim now. Uh, it sh you should all be able to claim the token using our DSP portal. Uh, going forward, I think this would be the way. This has drastically reduced the cost of airdrops. You know, before, you know, we were we were talking about maybe hundred thousand dollars to do an airdrop. Right now, you know, we can do it for you for uh, uh, maybe three to four thousand dollars for millions of accounts. The number of accounts doesn't matter anymore. It's a it's a phenomenal, it's an excellent and uh, outstanding breakthrough in the airdrop mechanism. Awesome. So we'll get through the introductions. We'll get back to some of the the, the V airdrops because that's a super interesting and relevant to to a lot of developers out there. But Ramon, you're, you're a rock star yourself. Got your own uh, YouTube channel. I've been following you for a very long time. I met you for the first time at uh, EOS San Francisco. I think I I met Michael there also. I have yet to meet Eve in person, um, but you, you have a pretty prominent start to DAP Network, working with a pretty high-profile client with a, with a lot of users, and that's all public information. Uh, I would love if you could uh, put a name to that company, um, but why don't you introduce yourself, and then we'll dig into some of the things we could do on, on DAP Network that really helps scale EOSIO. Sure, Jack. I think, first of all, yeah, thanks for inviting us. Uh, and as I think all of us are here because we are so excited about the DAP network. So I don't want to go back to my association with EOS because I think a lot of YouTube watchers may already know about my initiative from the community side as investing with a difference. So let me introduce myself, which I think a lot of people don't know about what we have been doing. That is a block start initiative. Uh, we started this as uh, I think, as you mentioned about San Francisco, we did a lot of conferences uh, trying to focus on dApps. I mean, that was the intention for Blockstart. While uh, investing with the difference was always a community initiative, and which was more around governance and around voting and so on. So in the Blockstart, we have uh, been working with a lot of dApps. Our idea was to help uh, early stage. Uh, companies trying to realize their dreams on running a decentralized application. So we launched our incubator uh, last year. Um, and we worked with the, all the community specialists that are the, trying to provide the best possible technology through the dApps. Uh, now, uh, being a DSP uh, came accidentally to us. And let me go back to uh, your question on uh, our clients. So we were working with Moonlighting. So I think it's public knowledge we have announced this. Uh, for building their uh, EOS idea, like on blockchain, trying to get them to uh, realize the dream of bringing uh, millions of users 
and it's a great idea. I think we were very excited. And uh, as soon as we realized the cost of uh, creating that many accounts, storing the data about those users and their histories uh, on uh, a public mainnet like EOS, uh, the RAM cost was the first thing which we evaluated. And we realized that this is something which is going to be tough uh, for anybody to fund. Um, and uh, that's where I think uh, at the same time when we were doing this uh, architecture design, DAP Network uh, announced and launched. And uh, we were, I think, not planning to, as a block start, we, we had no plans initially to start DSP. But because the technology was so new, uh, we said the only way we can achieve this dream to work with uh, these kind of apps which are we are working on is to start running a DSP node. And as we jumped into it, now we are uh, pretty much excited about like the opportunities here. Um, and we are, uh, I think th this, uh, maybe we'll discuss it later, but I'm trying to say that a lot of all the DSPs will have to work together ultimately to, uh, to bring this decentralized applications and to use the resources efficiently and bring those, those millions of people will not happen on mainnet. It's impossible for apps to run that uh, with the cost associated, even from scalability perspective. So I think uh, that is something which we bring on. And uh, not just that, I think we are working on four or five different apps now in our incubator, and all of them are looking at an option uh, to integrate uh, the technologies like uh, VRAM. Uh, and that is something which uh, is um, made us believe that running a DSP node is the best way to enable them. Uh, and uh, just to highlight, to close on like what we do in Blockstart, we are actually providing for all the companies we join our accelerator. We are providing free DSP services. We are even we are not charging them for the DSP usage, the DSP network usage, uh, and uh, allowing them to join this revolution uh, at at almost zero cost. So you're you're basically you have like a freemium model then so if, if someone wants to, to get started you're, you're consulting with their project it's kind of like you're just giving the services to them uh so let me tell you um it's uh, we have actually opened up and we are actually asking uh, the community people because of the community reach we had with investing in the difference we are asking community to stake their dap tokens uh, to our portal and we are using that as uh, the model to go and uh, support these uh, apps as a free services. And of course, some of these apps will get uh, funding and they will get uh, support from their own team at some stage. And they will be, once they become big enough, they will be able to support themselves. And then we move them to the paid model. So that's uh, the idea we are going with. Uh, and for example, Moonlighting is a funded company. They got funding from USBCs, uh, so they can afford to stake their own app, while not the, all the other companies may not be able to do that. So a lot of being a DSP, so DSP is, I guess, for people watching who aren't familiar, um, I, I don't want to say it's like a block producer, but like the easiest, the block producers run the EOS network and the DSPs are a decentralized group running uh, nodes. Uh, they're running full EOS nodes, but then they're also running the DAP network node. Um, and there, there's a lot of differences. I'm trying to think of the right words. Um, there's really not a whole lot of differences uh, for implementing um, certain services like with VRAM uh, between, uh, blah. I'm stumbling over my words here. You guys are the experts here. Um, why don't I just kick it to you guys because I told you I wasn't going to talk that much uh, <laughs> because I want to hear what you guys are doing because we could have actually had this call privately. That's the thing is I've been wanting to talk 
to the DSPs more on, and I, and I have been talking to some of you on, on a one-to-one -one basis because I want to know what you guys are doing, uh, the, the, the projects you're helping and what, what I was getting to before was what do you see your role as a DSP on, on the DAP network? Because we're still trying to define what a block producer is on the EOS mainnet or on any EOS I chain. Like, uh, different block producers, for example, have a different idea of what, what their role is as a block producer. What do you guys see your role as, as a DSP? Like, what is your role in the network and what, what unique um, skill sets and services do you guys bring to the table uh, that would make um, DAPs want to work, work with you guys, essentially, because uh, they, a, a, a decentralized application can stake to as many different uh, DSPs as they want to make their services as redundant as they want. And I, I think that's what you were getting to earlier. I think Ramon said it is everyone has to work together here because uh, if we want to decentralize applications, they have to be redundant. Um, so I'm going to drop it on Eve here because I've been talking for a really long time. <laughs> I, 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 you I, you I, said I, a lot right there, actually. So there's one thing that I want to touch upon that, that uh, Ramon kind of said, but you also mentioned when you said being a DSP is kind of like being a block producer. I mean, it, there are some differences, obviously. Um, in order for you to set up uh, the DSP, the, the technical portion of it, especially um, if we're looking at uh, how to actually uh, set up the infrastructure itself, it's very similar to a block producer. And so the lessons learned from us anyway, uh, from being a block producer, really helped the original setup of the DSP. But what I want to touch upon is more so that that extra aspect of being um, a DSP, which is very similar to what you said, kind of being a BP and what Ramon said in terms of doing outreach to the community and in terms of helping applications. So one of the things that we realized uh, very early on last year, especially when we go back to November, December, when the cost of resources was extremely high, a lot of applications were reaching out. And the first point of contact for a lot of applications ends up being a block producer. Uh, just because they're known entities, as simple as that. And people would reach out to us and they would ask, you know, I, I've got this idea in mind where I'm already running an application and I'm encountering these issues with resources. I want to scale. I want to be able to do X or Y or onboard these users. Or I've got this idea, but I'm limited by uh, the resources on the mainnet. And I, I'd like to also, uh, you know, be within a certain amount of costs. And so we started working with applications like that. And as the DAP network came online, uh, like Ramon was saying, we kept in touch with those applications. And more and more of those applications now saw the benefits that could come from the DAP network. And so in terms of, I guess, offering uh, consultancy or in terms of, of working with applications to get them on board, a big part of it is, is really just helping them. Um, there's no cost of that. It's, it's really setting it up. Um, and one of the things that's, that's key, I think, and really important is that uh, we're, we're all in this together. Um, a lot of the applications that were coming to us in the beginning were specifically saying, I intend on being a DSP as well, but I don't know how to set up a DSP. I don't know. I'm not too sure how this whole DAP network works. Um, and I need your help, even though I might not uh, hire you as a DSP later on. But then as we go along in the conversation, uh, a lot of them do realize that not only will they become DSPs, but in order for the service to be redundant, they will hire more than one DSP. So they might work with us. They might work with Ramon, with Michael, and we might all work together. Um, and that's incredibly key because then 
we also need to build the that network. This is very early on. We need to build it so that if you chose to um, leave a DSP in the future and go to another DSP for whatever reason that may be, that you don't need to restart, reboot, and 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 go again from scratch, right? So we kind of need that root that's at the core that everybody has access to. And that only comes by all working together. So a lot of these applications, I think, that, that Ramon is working with, that uh, Michael is working with, and that we're working with are the same applications. They, they I mean, these are public applications uh, without naming them, they're, they're they're, they're out there and people know them. Um, and they all require a certain function within the net network. And either they'll be implementing them themselves, and so they need help to actually set it up, make sure that it, it functions properly, make sure that it's efficient, that it's optimized, and then eventually also stake to a DSP. So we're doing kind of a, in a way as well, a freemium model where the first step is to actually get them to set up or get them to onboard on the DAP network. The, the i guess um uh reward portion or the inflation how the, the that network works is very much secondary in our in our discussions and very much like what ramon said we have we've been very fortunate that a lot of people have been staking in eos nation rdsp dsp nation and a big part of those users are applications that have tokens that have bought them for the future to eventually stake but they're not using them yet and they wanted to do something with it in the meantime. So that enables us to keep our operations growing, actually grow the operations and, and invest in more infrastructure to be able to offer those 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 resources and those basically th that at a, at, a, at a no cost effectively. So I think there's a lot of this that's been going on and it's not just EOS Nation, I think echoed by Ramon what, what he was saying. We, we had some let, let me Sorry. add a little bit on that. Uh, so what Eve said, right? Means uh, maybe I'm the old one out in like in block start. We are not coming from a DS a BP background. We don't have intentions to run uh, this kind of infrastructure which BPs are running. So we are more or less uh, running this as a accelerator because we see that DApps who are in early stages, they don't have the reach. They don't have uh, the right uh, context or the architecture. They don't understand how to start uh, because a lot of things which uh, come together, like, you know, when, when I talk to these dApps, when we tell them VRAM, the basic idea of RAM and the blockchain resources is something uh, which is new to many of these app developers. And then if you start adding VRAM and the layers, like layer two solutions, which we're talking about here, these are something which uh, the dApp developer may not l understand what's the best way to implement. So our goal to run this was to learn uh, and put, as, I, as, as Eve said, I think the goal here is uh, we are in a very early stage. I think none of these, uh, us as a DSPs, are looking at what will be the future one year down the line, how the DSPs will evolve and so on. That will, the time will tell. But I think what we are looking at right now is enabling these apps. And uh, without learning, because it's, as DSPs are evolving, even the code is evolving, feature set is evolving. Uh, we are all learning together. So I think uh, we have been lucky to uh, be like, this is such a close-knit community. Both Michael and Eve, I think uh, they can tell that we have been reaching out and learn, talking to each other already uh, on all these uh, development aspects, even sharing code. Like I think uh, I have reached out to Denny from US Nation to so many times for uh, reaching out and like you know, finding out the code about, okay, how to run this, how to do these things. And of course, uh, the Liquid Apps team itself, uh, Tal has been always available to us uh, to answer questions. So these are the kind of things which I think uh, we are going through right now as the initial DSPs. And uh, we are learning together. And I don't think we are playing a role and we already know 
uh, how this will play out. Uh, and I can be the upfront guy like say that Blockstart has no uh, ambitions to become a very similar to a BP on running some huge infrastructure. Uh, but we are what we are playing a role right now is that we want to enable dApps. That's the goal. And DSP running a DSP node is a very basic minimum today in in uh, in this environment, which we see that we can do uh, and enable. And uh, yes, means we are learning in this process, and maybe one day with the help of uh, more um, stronger teams out there, we will be able to support bigger dApps. Excellent. For for us, for us, it's a continuation of our mission. You know, we our we started with the goal of making airdrops as affordable as possible, and what DAP network has allowed us to do is to bring the cost down drastically. And I, I foresee a future, you know, not too far in the future, where we may be able to do a airdrop for very little cost, you know, maybe even something in the range of two to $3,000. Doing airdrop over millions of accounts for that amount of uh, uh, funds is uh, probably unheard of, and it can never be done in any other blockchain for example if you want to do an airdrop on ethereum and you had to pay the gas fees and uh, the, 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 i don't think there can be any comparison to uh, what what we can do here and that's what i'm excited about yeah. and uh, we are going to drive the cost down so much that at one point maybe you know, we will bring the cost to uh, even $1000 which is uh, which is a very trivial amount for many of the projects like if, if you are going to bootstrap a community you need to distribute the tokens you need to do the airdrop, and before the largest barrier was in how do, how can I afford the RAM, how can I afford the CPU and the net needed to uh, do this airdrop, and now we can do it all at a very trivial cost. And I think this is going to be the game changer for EOS as a whole and for many projects as a whole. This question it could be for Michael, but it could actually be for anyone. Um, with the cost of airdrops being almost negligible and the cost of RAM being next to nothing. Have you guys seen anyone doing anything really unique with airdrops that's not just a distribution of tokens? Like, for example, um, you could have tokens that get airdropped if you're voting for a block producer. Uh, and then if you unstake and unvote for that block producer, they lose those tokens. And then that token could be like a governance token within that block producer or proxy themselves. Uh, there, there's all, I, I just like brainstorm this stuff with just random people all the time because that's what has me the most excited is the things that are now possible that you couldn't even imagine before. And I would like to hear firsthand stories. If you're not allowed to name the projects, maybe you could describe what you're doing a little bit that wasn't even possible before that, that now is. Yes, you, you said correctly, Zach. So now airdrop is no longer a big deal. So that means and you can just use it as a marketing material. You know, our first the V airdrop, the V tulip was just, just that. So it was a token issued for the Tulip conference uh, using our uh, the new uh, the breakthrough uh, technology using the Web Oracle service and the DSP. So we we did this at a very negligible cost. So every conference going forward can have a token of their own, and the marketing budget maybe as little as thousand to two thousand dollars, and you are reaching you know millions of US account holders. Now it doesn't need to be a conference; it could just be a messaging like. For example, as you said, for proxies, and it could be a way of uh, showing your support to the proxies, and the proxies themselves can have different ways of, uh, you know, uh, determining whom to vote for based on the number of tokens staked by the uh, the people who are proxying the accounts to them. So there are so many, so many avenues where you can do this. 
just because the cost of uh, airdrop is now almost negligible, as you said. So now it's it can be used as a marketing tool instead of uh, you know thinking as a big deal. You had to have attorneys and you had to go through some SEC regulation to do all this. You know, as long as it's not trade tradable, you know, I am not really concerned about any any of that. It's uh, almost you can think of it as a flyer. You know, you mail one million flyers, so you you send out one million tokens to one million US accounts with a message, and I think that's what we are headed. That's where we are headed. Awesome. I think. I, I kind of agree with Michael, and uh, I think this is something which uh, we uh, think about all the time. And when we talk to the DApps, uh, so one big portion of uh, Blockstart is about uh, guiding these early stage ideas, even from regulatory perspective. And Michael has uh, hit the nail on the head that saying that uh, airdrops have to be thought uh, differently now, uh, because ultimately the reason for airdrops was uh, to get awareness of your project. It was never intended to give out equity because it's always a regulatory issue. And also, uh, it kills the project. You saw what happened with early stage airdrops. Most of them, people just, uh, not everybody, all the million people are not going to engage with your project. And most of those other people who are not engaging, they will just sell your token and they will drive the value down of your project. So giving out an equity-based uh, token to everybody is not a great idea. Now, let me extend that beyond airdrop. What VRAM can do, we have within our teams, uh, we have developed a solution where we can do a centralized exchange voting using VRAM. Because the biggest problem with voting itself, you talked about voting and governance, uh, Zach. I think I'm, I'm very passionate about it, as you all know, being a proxy for such a long time and having thousands of people proxying with us. Uh, and I was the biggest voice in last year when we were all seeing that centralized exchange is voting using users' token. and. Uh, I'm saying that VRAM today enables uh, that kind of possibility, and we have developed that solution. And we actually we are right now on this uh, broadcast. I'm calling out all the centralized exchanges if they want to work with us. We can provide you a very very cheap solution without creating individual accounts for your users using no private uh, like you know using a custodial solution. We can create V accounts, and we have already been using V accounts in some of our apps, uh, in uh, which we are already prototyped and. They are ready to go into production. We can allow uh, centralized exchange voting from their users uh, at a very, very low cost and improve the EOS governance. That's the possibilities we see with that network. Uh, so airdrop is one great use case, as Michael explained. Voting uh, definitely is a huge use case which we can disrupt. And vAccounts and or vRAM is going to solve all these issues of uh, the network resource cost, which were which was not possible earlier. That's awesome. So we talked uh, airdrops. The li liquid there, so I have to keep repeating this, but we, we have to update our documentation. But we keep we we've changed into liquid accounts. I'm sure if you guys talk to anyone from the liquid apps team, you you've noticed the change. Uh, but we still have to kind of publish it. So I, I'll just keep mentioning it on the show here. People might catch on. But uh, so we talked airdrops, the accounts, oracles. We had a question earlier in the chat about price oracles and uh, and and oracles for prediction markets and things like that. Um. Are any of you guys uh, working with, with any of the several prediction markets coming in? And what type of uh, use cases outside of the normal, I guess, with, with like an Oracle, pr price is a, a pretty stereotypical thing that you would think of. Uh, but what are some use cases you guys have seen or talked to projects about that aren't so obvious? And what, what have your experiences been like if you want to talk about the prediction markets or the price feeds that people are wanting for their stable coins? Um, I can I can take this one. There's because um, we we 
when the Oracle service came out, we implemented the Oracle service really early on. And um, the, the Oracle and Cron services go hand in hand. So just for the viewers that are not too sure what Oracle Cron are, um, Oracle service, and, and for the first time, uh, I guess in EOS's history, what the Oracle service does is it enables you to be able to talk to the outside world. So to talk to non-EOS, go out in the real world, um, go to a website, fetch some information, and bring it back onto onto the network. So that's that's the Oracle portion. Is that that data point that you would be coding to go and get and bring back? And the cron service is essentially the timing, the scheduling of doing that act, particular action. So you would say, go and fetch me uh, the score of of whatever baseball game's going on right now, and fetch it every minute. So the cron will be the scheduling of every minute and the actual Oracle will go to, let's say you'll go to uh, MLB.com or whatever in Canada, you go to TSN Radio Canada or something like that. So you'll go in and fetch these different um, data points, you'll bring them back and then you'll compare the data points to be able to figure out what that, that one source of truth is uh, most likely. And you would do that through multiple DSPs. So maybe I'd, I'd ask Ramon to go seek the same three data points or three separate ones. I'd ask Michael to go seek three separate ones and I'd do you know, three separate ones that have nine data points. And theoretically, the nine should all be, it should be returning the exact same value. Maybe you'd get eight out of nine or you'd get seven out of nine. You'd be able to figure out, okay, this is the source of truth that I want. Um, the use case that's always brought up, obviously, is, is the monetary aspect, so price feeds. Uh, we use this internally and we've been coding this so that whenever we do, I mean, we live in Canada and so a lot of the price feeds out there in the US dollars, we want to, for, for tax purposes, we want to transfer that uh, US to EOS value to uh, Canadian dollars to EOS value so that we can report at specific time of claim what that EOS is valued at and then we can, you know, um, send that information, log that information for tax purposes later on. That's one easy, I guess, uh, uh, function for oracles. One of the ones that we've been seeing that's really interesting, kind of in that line as well with an application that we're working with, they have a large user base all around the world and they um, uh, those users get paid uh, based on different tasks that they do. And the pay that they're paid in is not I mean, they receive an EOS, but it's pegged to a fiat value. And so you need that Oracle to say, well, at that specific time, how much was that worth? So if let's say I want to send you, I don't know, five US dollars worth, well, how much EOS should I send you? That needs to be automated. Prior to having Oracle services, this particular application would have to pay gas fees in order to be able to do this on Ethereum or, or whatever other network. And the latency at which they could go get that information would be incredibly slow. So we've got something like Oracleize that's doing this particular service, uh, but it's limited by cost and by speed. With the DAT network, you could now basically put in your price feed and you could go fetch that data point every 10 seconds, every minute, whatever you wanted, so that whenever your users complete a specific task, you pay them the right amount. Um, and so for your accounting purposes, you get the exact amount at the exact time that you sent that, and the users get the exact amount that they should have gotten at that exact time. Now, again, that's still related to prices. Um, another function that we're doing and that's more kind of internal right now working with with the city here and with with uh, governments municipal governments in our area uh, uh, one one great example for that would be um, location based services so if you want to for example do an open source map and you want to send your location as to where you are or whatever at any given time you're in a car 
and uh, you're driving along, so you're in an Uber, but on EOS, and you wanted to send your data location, well, you need something that's free, that's instant, and you need to be able to you know, store a lot of data like that. That would be another one where oracles could be handy. Weather, temperature, um, so anything where you need a large set of data at any given time, and you need that record at any given time because it feeds into your application somehow, that's where you can use the Oracle services. And we see that that's definitely one of the big ones that people are interested in when they reach out to us. I, I think it's uh, funny now that, I, I don't know what's occurred because I don't really follow too much outside of ES these days, um, but Chainlink's just been getting a lot of attention lately and it's like just an Oracle service and that's just like one thing of a whole basket of awesome utilities that you could do on the DAP network. Well, um, we can't underestimate that. So an Oracle service on a blockchain is technically really challenging. Um, it, it is a huge feature in itself. And we're seeing that through the DAP network, this is just one of the services that's possible. Um, out of a slew of services that will be and that are already possible, the DAP network itself as a second layer solution on leveraging EOS is just disrupting multiple current industries right now, already in its infancy stage, like five months in. It, it, it makes me happy hearing like other, other people, like I respect all of you uh, on, the, on this panel here and hear, hearing you guys gush about what we're able to do here. And then he, hearing Tal, our, our CTO, Tal Muscao, just like seeing the things that he is churning out and like getting insight into how his brain works. It's like, we're, we're, we're just putting together like all of the best people. And it, it's like a pleasure to even get, get to work, work with them. I know Michael, you worked with uh, Nathan Rempel. He, he developed some of your tools. Now he's with us. Um, uh, Ramon, what, what is, what, what order did you guys come in on? So I, I, you, Michael and, Eve, you guys were here since pretty much day day one almost. Yes, we we trying to get a did our first uh, VA drop the day after the DAP network was launched. I think the DAP <laughs> network was launched on twenty sixth, right? And we did the airdrop on twenty seventh. So, so I think so, it was less than twenty four hours after launch, if I recall. <laughs> so you should still see the Benny's tweet. Benny had a tweet and he posted it in Telegram. The DAP network is alive and the first VA drop is ongoing or something like that. So someone mentioned earlier about how this is so collaborative. Because The big one's the redundancy. You're not usually going to stake just to one DSP. But Michael, since it sounds like uh, you're like bread and butter is the airdrop, uh, yes. do, you, do you continue to work with those projects after they do a distribution? And, and how do you kind of onboard them onto DAP network? Or is that something that you kind of use the collaborative effort of passing them off to some of the other DSPs or do you uh, handle some of that consulting yourself? Well, we also developed the smart contracts. So uh, you generally all the projects we have worked so far, uh, once our airdrop is complete, you know, we have minimal contact with them, but some projects do come back to us for more and we help them with uh, some of the smart contract development. Uh, but uh, our uh, General theme is, you know, we are the airdrop experts. So anything related to airdrops is where we shine. Mm -hmm. uh, the, when they come to us for more complex things, you know, we have to pass them on to, you know, either Eve or Ramon uh, for other other aspects of the the DSP service. We we are the experts as long as the 
anything related to A drops and V drop, V A drops, and we take care of that from end to end. Uh, beyond that, uh, you know, we have uh, we are fortunate to have Eve and Ramon, you know, who are more experienced in other things like you know, V accounts and uh, those those type of things. And you know, we have not yet done any real project, so we don't have any real experience with that. And we we do like to forward them to both of them. And also the new DSPs are also coming. You know, there is EOSPF mm -hmm. from Ross who uh, just launched the DSP as well. And Ross, as you know, is very good technically. He's also our infrastructure advisor. Uh, so it, it, that's also another strong DSP for those of you who are considering uh, complex projects. I'd imagine that there will be a lot more DSPs because we talked about the redundancy. Do, do you guys think that almost every application, once they reach a certain size, could probably benefit from operating a DSP? Or do you think that they are just as well off never running one and just relying on other DSPs? Okay, so let me take this uh, because we are actually uh, going through this for some of these apps which are going into production very soon. Uh, I think it depends on uh, each app. Uh, ultimately, what is blockchain? Why do you justify using blockchain? It's about uh, you're, you're trying to become trustless. You need your data to be spread across uh, as many, like what is IPFS, for example? Uh, means we are using IPFS as one of the key service uh, in uh, VRAM and to, for storing data. So as you create more and more decentralization and more and more distribution of the data, uh, you are actually adding uh, better and better robustness to your app. So definitely, I would say that uh, there will be every app should stake or should use multiple DSPs. Uh, and I think as uh, all of us we are talking about, uh, it's more about the business models and economic models. That is what uh, has to be defined. Technically, I have no doubt that uh, it will be the dApps will be much better off doing uh, staking to multiple DSPs, keeping their data. And that's what we are recommending. Any company which is coming to us and working with us uh, is we are recommending them to use more than one DSP. Uh, secondly, I would say it's a matter of uh, how uh, we are going to evolve as DSP network. Because all this DAP network, when we say, it's about uh, you need to have a replayability. You need to have like recovery processes of the data. Because now you're talking about data which is uh, kind of st uh, getting stored in the layer two and not in the mainnet itself. Even though you can replay it from mainnet, it's not that you're losing the data if DSP goes down, but it's about uh, availability of data at short notice at a very high uh, kind of uh, performance metrics where delays are important, latencies are important for, uh, for user experience. I think these are the kind of things which will determine how uh, these apps are going to stake to which DSPs. And each of the DSPs will have to go work around uh, these metrics. Um, yeah, I think all of the DSPs, like I was talking to uh, um, EOS Nation, like Eve and Denny and all these people I've talked to very regularly. Uh, as soon as we decided that we didn't need to run this DSP, my first question was, which other DSP I can partner with when I'm going to these dApps? I need to tell them that, okay, you need to go and distribute their data to two or three DSPs, and uh, we need to define those models. And I'm still talking to them on a very regular basis. Uh, and this is the kind of discussions we are having today. And as I said, it's a very early days. This whole DAP network is still just starting out. We are building, we are building services while the usage we will learn when the actual DAPS launches with the millions of users and so much of data, we will all work together ultimately 
to define uh, the best model and there is no way a single dsp can uh, support one particular dap i think that is too risky a model uh, in a decentralized world i really echo that i everybody who comes and reaches out to us to talk one of the first things we tell them is who else have you talked to you should go talk to other people as well you should be working with other dsps so that you become redundant uh, as much as possible it, if if the idea is to become trustless then putting all of your trust into one dsp kind of defeats that purpose from the get go um you were asking earlier kind of how uh how, how Rahman got into this i remember at some point i was talking to Rahman and Rahman i don't believe at that time had announced that he was going to be a dsp or offering any kind of dsp service and so even prior to dsp's onboarding a lot of them are interested in it um and you you kind of asked Zach will they themselves will applications themselves also become dsp what's the what's the chance of that happening i think that for uh very very small applications the chance is a little bit low uh, because it's technically challenging to do so for medium applications i think the chance and likelihood is high uh because they'll want to stick to other dsps but they'll also want to do it themselves it will lower cost and they'll learn how it works and once you reach a certain stage and a, and a certain size of the application i think it will then make no more sense to run the dsp yourself you just kind of outsource that function if at that time there are enough dsps of quality that are out there offering that service at a reasonable cost uh, then you would kind of abstract that that function within and just simply hire a third party right now because we're so early in the ecosystem there are very few dsps i mean there are there are some but we're seeing more and more on board uh, last month or earlier this earlier in june there was a, a competition for dsp portal and we saw that seven teams uh, entered the competition and that was really interesting because it really shown it really it went about and, and shown some light on communicate with the network and then being comfortable with knowing how the information is then protected uh how you can communicate with it and then how you're going to be able to expand on that information later on and storing your own data so it's it's a matter of uh, removing yourself from the trust that is what the decentralization means that's the reason why we use blockchain and the goal here is not for these dapps to uh, control the data and run their own dsps but also make it more redundant and i think that is the word which we have been always discussing how do you make yourself more redundant how do you become like you know if you disappear or any one entity disappear how is it how do you bring the reliability how do you recover from that situations i think that defines the decentralization and that defines the use case of blockchain otherwise you are fooling yourself by using blockchain uh, you can very well implement that use case with aws if you are able to do it with one or two single entities and that's why we need 21 block producers for block for eos or even backup block producers and so on so it's uh, it's not very different when we talk about dap network and dsps it's not very different from that perspective it's a it's a layer 2 solution but it is very similar to any typical 
uh, blockchain where we need multiple nodes running and securing the data. And those nodes are effectively uh, very similar to, to uh, as a block producer in EOS, vying for your votes. And your votes essentially are uh, the confidence that they place in you while staking their DAP tokens and obtaining your services. Sorry, I, I, we, we, met, we lost some audio earlier, but that's okay. We're good now. Um, uh, whenever we, we I, I keep getting back to this collaboration because I, we still don't know what DSPs will look like in the future. Just like on day, day one or in the first couple of months of the US mainnet, we didn't know where we'd be a, a year from now. Um, I remember before I even started with Liquid Apps, just having uh, Tal and Benny on, on, on this show and having Tal describe how he envisions things. And he, like, a lot of people could say that DAP Network's a layer two solution, but it's all, it, it could be like multiple layers. Like, it's not just limited to one layer. I think we're going to see like DSPs building on top of other DSP services. Have you guys uh, started doing any of that yet? Or have you seen it yet with some of these like niche services that maybe only one DSP? can do uh, because that's what they specialize in, but then you need that service to build a service on top of that. So uh, I, let me take a shot at that. So I think we have initiated those discussion and I think Eve can <laughs> tell that, <laughs> that we have been having some of these calls. Yeah. I don't think we can yeah. go into details because these are in very early stages. Um, but I think uh, as the DSPs evolve, like as Michael is doing, they're specializing in airdrops. Uh, there will be more and more DSPs who will have better uh, expertise in certain areas, which uh, you do not want to recreate. You want to maybe diversify it by using their expertise and offering these services as uh, jointly, but you don't want to go and recreate those. You need to just to make that trustless. And that's, I think, what I would uh, look to discuss and partner with. Uh, secondly, we are also talking about we let me go back to the discussion of uh, dApps, right? Means when you said, oh, can the big dApps run their own DSPs? You need to understand that once this dApps, each of these dApps in the next stage, they will be generating a lot of data. And some of these the data can be turned into an Oracle service. Some of these can, because we already have the data in dApp, DAP network, we can actually, these apps can become DSPs in one scenario where they are providing that service, whatever is their core business, that can also become a service for other EOS apps. It's an amazing way of um, monetizing your development cost, not for yourself. When you build something for yourself, you can go and offer the same service to others. And that's where I would say that uh, this whole network of DAP and the DSP, where the boundaries will go away. The DAPs, which are, which are running on this DSP network, they will offer services to other dApps. So this is where I see the potential, and I agree with you. It's not a layer two, uh, uh, like today we are seeing it as layer two, but it will be a very much uh, cross, like in layer two, layer three, layer four solution, whatever you can call it. But what I what I am actually discussing right now, uh, some of these dApps we are working with, we already realize the potential in phase two when these dApps will become service provider for dApp network. So like think about it, um, the, the way that I picture it is like Inception um, or, or it's DAP squared or it's, it's infinite scaling. So think of a, a DAP like, like Ramon said. So we are working with, with people that they need um, 
they require services from a DAP provider, which I will say are kind of the base layer services of a DAP provider, let's say the Oracle service or um, VRAM, IPFS. And then the service that they will provide, so their application has a function, that function can be abstracted as a service. And then once you interacted with that service, or once that application interacted with that service and your account has interacted with that application, I could theoretically, like Ramon said, take another application, point to that application to see whether or not it you know, met the, the whatever checks and balances, the benchmark or whatever, that in itself can then become a service as well. Um, and we're already seeing applications work with one another to reduce their cost, to leverage the services. Hey, you go work on this. I'm going to work on this. Both of us are useful together. This actually transforms into a new service. That wasn't necessarily the original intent, but this is what we're seeing. And so when I mentioned earlier, um, for example, when we talked about oracles and how you've got these industries, these companies in, in the previous, in, let's say blockchain 2.0 world, where they had to specialize in one service and that was 100% of their service and they were able to make a living out of just offering that service, we're seeing that they can then do that as a service and that just becomes one of the few services they offer. They can then offer multiple and they'll piggyback off of each other. Because once once one person has gone through that, that step and has that, you've got that Merkle root, which can then be used by anybody else afterwards. Um, and that's where you see partnership within applications, partnerships between DSPs. Uh, we're as as EOS Nation, we've been working on services that will be leveraged for ourselves, which then can be leveraged. We're talking with people outside of EOS. Uh, we're talking with a, a company right now that's been working on working in Ethereum and Bitcoin, Litecoin now for about uh, five six years. They're one of the largest providers of something, and they now see that it makes no sense to even stay in that business. They're just going to hire us as a DSP and they'll re their marginal cost for their service is going to drastically uh, diminish. So they'll be able to offer the same service, but at a fraction of the cost, leveraging EOS while providing that service on another chain. Um, and, and this is just the beginning. This is six months in. It's, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Like Rome and we haven't even touched right now V accounts or liquid <laughs> accounts or custodian accounts. That's just another like inception, what you can do with that. It's crazy. It, it sounds like you guys are describing almost like an Airbnb for infrastructure. If you if you build something for yourself and you're not at your, your maximum capacity, you could offer that same service you're using yourself to other people. And it's kind of like you're renting out un, unused resources. It's, so, Zach, I think, let me add to that. It's not just Airbnb. The good news about the DAT network and the scalability is you can replicate it for free. It's not a real estate. EOS is mainnet is a real estate. DAP network is a, another level of scalability where once you create it, you can replicate it 1,000 times and you reuse it without the cost of real estate. I think that's what is so powerful about that network. So I would say it's even beyond Airbnb. You're talking about API networks. You're talking about these Oracle services, API network where you can create as a DAP, where you your cost is so minimal that you can really uh, create very, very cheap services on blockchain, which is not possible on layer one, which is not possible to run on mainnet directly. And I think that that's one of the tricky things about it as well. We, we work with a lot of applications or users that ask, well, how much does it cost for one kilobyte of RAM or something? Mm -hmm. it, it, I have no answer right now. I can't tell you what it is because it's almost free. Honestly, it really doesn't cost very much. Um, 
we, I mean, we have costs because obviously we have infrastructure, we've got bandwidth costs, we've got staff, engineers, that kind of stuff. But once it's set up, the and we're, we're on bare metal. So once it's set up, our costs are relatively minimal. Uh, we ourselves are taking uh, a, the largest majority of the inflation that we're making right now as a DSP. We're actually building a DSP farm. So I talked about this idea of a DSP farm months ago now, and uh, I can say that in two weeks, the actual farm is going to be online. What I mean by that is we have a full data center with tons of racks. So if you're aware of uh, a block producer on EOS, you don't need that much infrastructure. I mean, you need to be really good at your infrastructure. It needs to be incredibly efficient. It needs to be very powerful, but you don't need infrastructure in the proof of work sense. You don't need tons of racks. You don't need a lot of computers, but if you want to scale um, the, let's say your DSP services and you want to offer them to uh, millions of users and tons of applications, just a ridiculous amount. At some point, you do need a lot of, you know, uh, hard drive space. You need a lot of RAM, etc. But that's kind of a one-time cost. So people ask us, well, how much do I need to pay for that? Well, it's it's not as simple as that. Once my cost is there, as long as I can keep going, um, the cost to you as the end user is actually relatively minimal. And the way that the DSP system works, you buy tokens, which then are an asset, which you don't give me, you just stake into me at any given time. When you unstake, you can go and sell those assets. Um, all that, we didn't even touch upon that. This is the kind of, we're just touching upon it now, that economic portion of how a DSP works and how applications can participate in a network is also another ball game that will, in my opinion, reduce the marginal cost of just doing business on the blockchain significantly to to like like what basically Michael is the first proof of 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 concept with the airdrops on how he's been able to dramatically reduce the cost of doing a simple action which was relatively difficult but came with a high cost reducing that to almost nothing when you think about like what Michael says when he says he's able to drop within a few hours to a million users as much information as possible at any given time and anybody can do it that that is that is just opening up a whole world of infinite possibilities that we haven't only started scratching the surface yet incredible so you you, you caught yourself saying there's so much we haven't talked about yet um we're, we're coming up on about an hour um so whatever you guys want to add in that we didn't get a chance to talk about yet uh open mic or do, do i need a question i think what, what we need at this stage you know we we have the, I have spoken to a lot of developers and they all ask these questions, you know, what's VRAM, you know, what's V accounts, and everything seems so abstract. And it's hard to explain these concepts to a lot of people. And my philosophy has always been you know, a path is created by walking many times. That means you know, we need more proof of concept projects. Like now when I say VA drop, almost everybody knows because we already did one. And the second one is coming in the next two weeks. So it's going to be a major token. So it is going to be a major, I cannot tell the name yet, but it's a major token that's going to be done as a VA drop and it will be on the on our portal where you can claim. So when, when we do this more and more proof of concept projects, uh, the explanation becomes easier. The people just know now what VA drops means. But once you know Raman has a project that has V accounts, people know what V accounts is. Right now, when you try to say V accounts, they are sort of, you know, still having a hard time understanding what that means. Now, when we say web oracle service price feeds, it's if we can have a prediction market, I think we're almost there, right? The predict is going to be launching very soon. So once they have this web oracle service giving the 
giving the information and resolving all those uh, prediction markets, then it's a proof of concept. So explanation becomes easier and adoption gets uh, easier. And I think that's where we are headed. It's just a matter of time. We are very early. I'm yeah. excited. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, let me add uh, here. So I think, as Michael said, this is a very, very important thing for people. Like, means developers are, um, like, right now building, and they are hesitating. I think what we need them, and that's what Blockstart is doing, is come and talk to us. Just go to blockstart.one, and there is a contact us. You join our Telegram. Reach out to us. And I think we we make a big deal out of new technology sometimes. It's not as difficult if you just come and discuss these things uh, and start using it. Like, as I told you, like we had no background in Blockstart. We were not planning to run a node or DSP or anything. We realized that we need it. And uh, because it was not ready yet, we just jumped into it and started developing. And now we have so much support and this community is so great. Like I can go and uh, like the people right now on this panel, like Naive, Michael, we talk so often and we can reach out to anybody in their technical teams. Uh, that is something which is so great about EOS community and which is extending to now this DAP network community, which is forming. Uh, and it, these are very, very strong people. So join us. We can actually enable you uh, into any problem. Now, means I was worried about you know six months back. I would say I would hesitate in telling people to go start implementing because it was a huge cost associated with anything you want to do. Now with the DAP network, see there are two things, two big things which happened. Rex, which solved a lot of issues, CPU and net, it's very cheap now. And RAM with this uh, VRAM and uh, with liquid apps. I think now I say, just go prototype. Don't stop. If you have an idea, just go start prototyping and nothing is stopping you. You can actually go and learn. This is what it means. I'm in Silicon Valley. We have seen so many companies which say, we just, they just launch first with the basic minimum viable product and then iterate. That's how great products are built. You don't go and make a perfect product at launch. Nobody has been successful like that. And that is what I think uh, everybody's doing. And that's what I love about, I think, let me go back and congratulate Michael for that. Means this airdrops, they have done so many of them uh, with all these new technologies every time. They're like, the team is great. Every time we see this uh, new airdrop coming with a totally new method. Uh, so this is like, uh, um, they're learning, this learning these things as, things go along and that's why they have become the experts and the, the apps we are working with they, you just have to come don't sit with your idea go prototype now nothing is blocking you to develop on EOS and that's what I think we are excited about right now and come talk to us uh, there's no lack of support that's all I want to say in the end I think one thing we didn't talk about and two of you guys were participants um, I think when the audio got cut out is when Eve was talking about the DSP portals so uh, the, I'm not sure whenever the judging is going to be done. It's in process right now. Um, but you guys kind of want to um, let everyone know how to find your DSP portals. and um, Because I, I appreciate you guys building that. So I appreciate everything, like not just you, but all of the other DSPs do as well. Because we, we, we keep talking about this collaboration. Um, sometimes I'll be uh, an early touch point for a project. And we'll, we'll start talking about that network. And then all of a sudden, uh, I find out that Eve's like working with them like one on one or his, his team with Dennis uh, or, or Amon or a couple other ones too. Is it, it's great that um, you guys are just taking it into your own hands. You're not waiting for anyone else to, to, to build this network for you. You're, you're, you're grabbing it by the horns. And one of the things that was lacking early on uh, in the network was uh, understanding who the DSPs are, what services they're offering, and then how to compare DSPs, we get back to redundancy. It's very important that you uh, 
researched multiple DSPs and, and staked multiple DSPs, and the DSP portals are, are a huge home run. That they're amazing, all of them, really good. Uh, so thank you guys for building those, and why don't you guys plug those portals? Sure. So our our DSP portal is dsp.eosination.io. Uh, we released our DSP portal, I believe we were the first ones to, to release ours. We were, we were working on it. Um, we were building a DSP portal before the competition started. Uh, we had no idea that there was a competition coming. We just, we needed a DSP portal for ourselves. We wanted to interact with the network uh, easier. Uh, we had this idea, these applications kept coming to us. I've got these tokens, I want to be able to stake them. I want to do something with the network right now. Um, and so that's kind of how that started. We did the first staking as a service um, uh, function or service, I guess, within the DAP network. So that that kind of got started there. Uh, big shout out to the other two people on the call because a lot of the ideas for what to put it in DSP portal came from having chats with these guys, uh, having chats with applications. So what are you gonna be looking for? What do you need? What would you like to see? Uh, what kind of function would you like to have uh, so that you, you facilitate the interaction with the network itself. So dsp.yosnation.io, big shout out to Jan, who did uh, all of the UI for that and is the one that's maintaining all of this. Uh, tons of integrations with all the, the different wallets, with the with different mobile wallets, desktop wallets, um, integration with the DAP HODL tokens, with the DAP tokens, all the other DSPs as well. Uh, for the competition itself, there were quite a few requirements on what you had to do and what you couldn't do, et cetera. Um, and so what you see now is is the DSP portals that we have there, and we're really, really proud of ours. Awesome. And our, our DSP portal is dsp.maltablock.org. And we were, uh, I don't know, maybe the third or the fourth one to release, but we were already building a portal, just as you said, because we are, we are one of the largest DSPs. So we are building our own portal. And when the competition came on, <laughs> announced, so we said it gave us a, it was a great opportunity to do something with a deadline because we were building very slowly and everyone got the whole team got excited and we pushed forward and created the portal before the deadline. I think maybe 24 hours before the deadline, something like that. <laughs> but we are very happy with how it looks. Uh, a big shout out to Raleigh, who was the designer for UX. Then we have Sergey and Christoph, who did most of the integration. Uh, and we also had Zvi. Uh, it was a great team team effort, and uh, it was not, it was almost similar to a hackathon. He said the deadline is coming; we got to finish this portal, <laughs> and we got to release it before before that uh, uh, the UTC cutoff time. And it was a great experience. Thank you for providing that uh, opportunity. It was a it was excellent. That's awesome. I, I saw. I think Peter K tweeted something. We have more DSP portals than there are block explorers. I think at this point. So. I think, right? We had, I think, 12, some, I don't know how many submissions, 10 to 12. Seven submissions. Seven, but uh, then, yeah, I mean, in, in the short amount of time, definitely, uh, ratio-wise, definitely up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love all of them because, like, us internally, we're, we're running into the same issues as everyone else, was having to, like, click all the actions and do all these crazy filters on, on the parameters, on, like, blocks or whatever. So that that's a huge... Uh, thing for the community, for us at Liquid Apps, for you guys all as DSPs. So hopefully the, those will be judged soon. I, I pulled it up earlier. Tal Muscal, uh, Crystal Rose uh, from SenseChat, and then Greg Lee, who's uh, VP of Engineering at Block One. Those are the three judges for the DSP portals. So I wish you all the best of luck. No favoritism. I have no favorites because I 
do not have a favorite. I'm not allowed to have a favorite. I don't want a favorite. I will use them all. Um, but if there's anything else you guys want to add, go for it. Uh, but if not, we could uh, sign off here. Now's a chance. But just one last thing, like Ramon said, uh, I think the most important at this stage, if you have any questions about the DAP network, about um, about your application and how it could potentially leverage the DAP network, feel free to reach out. Uh, please reach out to me at YBNormal, Y-B-N-O-R-M-L, or uh, come and join us in our Telegram chat, which is EOS Nation. Uh, we're always there, always answering questions. We've been working, I, I, I think, on a weekly basis. I have at least three or four calls uh, every week with applications, and we just walk them through the very, very basic of how could this potentially help you out to you've been working on this now for a couple of weeks and we're actually implementing some features we're running on a test net um so wherever you you fall within that spectrum please don't hesitate to reach out uh and and reach out to these two gentlemen as well because it's like i said it's all about the redundancy and it's all about teamwork at this point we are literally building this network together Eve, Eve, they, they could also reach out to me and they can reach out to they Come can, on, guys. Sorry, Zach. They can reach out to Zach. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I could build some questions. If you have a project and if you have a token, and if you are thinking about doing a airdrop of token, but you postponed it because of the cost, now you know, forget about it. The cost is very negligible now. Contact us or contact Zach, and he knows. <laughs> <laughs> please, and please. Don't, same don't. thing here, guys. <laughs> I think it's Ramon's turn to plug. I don't. I don't think you've plugged anything. Sure. Yet. No, I think not, nothing much to plug other than yeah, just uh, reach like blockstar.one. It's right there on the screen. So just go there. There are all the links in terms of Telegram or how to contact us. Uh, but what I'm trying to highlight is that uh, we are like we we have a motto like we are not running uh, infrastructure as a service. We are running as a like you know accelerator for DApps. Our goal mission is to enable DApps. So whether it's DApp network, whether enabling uh, your development architecture, anything you need, uh, go and reach out. Goal is to make really good apps, and uh, we will guide you through this process. That's our that has been our goal, and DApp network is just is a means to an end. And that's what we are using and we are here for. All right, now I'll plug myself. Everyone, if you haven't liked this video yet, please like it for the Google algorithm or the YouTube algorithm. We really need those likes and shares and subscribes, all that fun stuff. Uh, let me know what you thought of the uh, screen today because I had to manually control the video and stuff. I've been uh, trying to get better at the software. Uh, let me know what you thought of uh, the graphics because I take pride in them and I think they're cool looking. Um, they are very cool. Thank you. Looking. Thank you. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it, actually. I, I think I only had one hiccup with the sound going out at one point. But um, until next time, guys, um, I'm Zach Gall, and everyone else can say their names, and then we'll sign off with a go ES. This is Michael Gucci from Malta Block. Hey, Raman Bindlish from Block Start One. Yves Laos from Yas Nation. All right, and then on three, we're gonna do go yes. Ready? One, go yes. Oh, yeah, we we got it. We got to do it on three. Ready? <laughs> One, two, three. Go yes. Go yes. <laughs>